Are you curious about how you might have a more fulfilling work life? Well, you're not alone. In fact, the numbers show us that many of us want more fulfilling work lives. I'm Susan Mikriadon, your host. And as a finance director, ops director and leadership coach, who has lived and worked in many countries. I've met people who love what they do and people who don't. People who bring their full selves to work and people who won't. But one thing that I've learned that is common to us all is that we are all unique and have unique experiences and perspectives. So join me and my guests as we place a lens on the people side of work life and explore ways to let your uniqueness shine through by sharing insights, stories, strategies and techniques to inspire your work life. Today I am delighted to be joined by Nikki Hill. Nikki, you're so welcome to Life Beyond the Numbers. Thank you. Oh, thank you for having me. I'm excited about our conversation. Me too. And I hope we can keep on track because I know yes. that we will probably go all, all over the place, but we'll do our best to have a conversation that others will enjoy. Absolutely. Yes, we got slightly excited last time, didn't we? And went <laughs> off on lots of enjoyable tangents. So we had to remember, what was the question? <laughs> So I noticed on one of your blogs that you talk about auditing one's boundaries. And that's really an interesting concept. I worked in audit for many years mm-hmm. and it's a nice way of reframing that term, auditing, to actually yeah. use it for yourself for benefit. But I wonder, does everyone understand what boundaries are and then What's the benefit of auditing them? Mm, yes, good question. No, I don't think everybody knows what boundaries are. I think where some of us have boundaries in place, there are more of us that don't. And I think it, it's a very topical conversation I have with a lot of my clients. And they often um, only experience their boundaries or what they are when they're being tested. And then they find that actually they're in that ugly place of defending them or stamping their feet going these are my needs these are my wants and so I'm I'm a big fan of investigating if you like auditing boundaries as our life evolves and at, the, at all sorts of different points in, in time and you could do it annually if you wanted to we're, we're constantly constantly evolving and boundaries I think need to be in sort of different components you know what are my boundaries for my friendships what are my boundaries at work what are my boundaries with my family my children and really taking the time again it's a bit like the values values again we don't often know what they are until they're tested and I think boundaries are definitely those and they are key to our identity our happiness our well-being and so it's really key and that's why I sort of said auditing I think a lot of people understand auditing and it's that kind of let's take a look at what exists what doesn't exist what needs to happen let's really investigate and I think we we deserve that as humans that actually we take the time to audit what boundaries already exist what are lacking what do I need to change what do I need to evolve what do I now need to put into my life because I'm a new parent for example or I'm in a new job and so yes I think a lot of people don't know what their boundaries are and I'm a real advocate take that time to sit down get to know yourself what's important and keep the focus on you 
So when I talk about family or parenting or things along those lines, the tendency can maybe to be, let's look at these group of entities, let's look at boundaries for me and my husband, but actually take it back a step, keep the focus on you first. That's the really key part to setting boundaries. Mm. So very simply, Nikki, give us an example of a, a boundary, you know, either something that is useful for people to get their head around, if you know what I mean. Yeah. It's either from yeah. your own life or that you've read or whatever. I think illustrating it helps. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, a couple of really simple ones are, for example, on sort of personal boundaries, you and your partner. Now, you might be um, not into public displays, and but your partner might be. So actually, you're having this tug of war. He, she's going for your hand. You're like, oh, no, don't do that. So it can be that simple. What level of affection am I okay with? And what level of affection am I okay with in public? And just sort of putting that out there into a conversation. The workplace. Now, again, you know, I'm keeping on the sort of physical touch here. Probably less of this happens now. But you might have a colleague that comes up behind you. You're sat in your chair. And they put their hands on, on your shoulders. Now, for them, that might be they're trying to be affectionate or actually worse, they might be trying to do something slightly more dominating, but actually that's not okay. So it can be simply about physical space often, you know, what, what is it? Where are my boundaries? And, and that's where I think the metaphor, we, we know about boundaries, don't we, in terms of our, you know, the fences around our houses. And so that there is, there is physical space actually attached to boundaries. So I think that's a kind of a couple of examples. Another, another one might be on a, on a very simplistic le- level now that we've, we've opened up the world a bit is that we're constantly stretching ourselves. We're saying yes to everything. We're attending things that actually we don't want to. So a, a simple boundary can be the art of saying no, of actually protecting our own time. What's important to us? Where do I want to spend my time? So Boundaries don't have to be massively complicated. They can just be about what gives you a sense of calm, peace, enables you to enjoy your life, have the energy you need. If you're dispersing it everywhere else rather than sort of focusing on you, you can feel really depleted. So, yeah, they don't have to be overcomplicated. No, and I like that, bringing it back to real basics and, and the starting with yourself as well, obviously, because they're your boundaries and my boundaries might be very, very different from yours. Exactly, exactly. And they don't have to come with justification or explanation. I mean, I do think there's a little bit of a risk. I think having having boundaries out there and assuming you'll never upset somebody, I think is, is, is a little foolish. I think sometimes us saying no is going to offend. But at the end of the day, you've got to look at the the overall reward. And that is that you're going to feel a lot happier as a person if you set these boundaries. And we may be a little better as teenagers. I mean, who hasn't met a teenager that's shouted and screamed at a parent for coming in their, you know, in their room without knocking or whatever. And so you know, we have a responsibility there to actually kind of respect that because that can often be the starting point of when we're really testing boundaries is as a teenager seeing what we can have what we can't have but ultimately what's important to us and if privacy is one of those things then I think as adults we should we should respect that boundary and and maybe knock on the door of a teenager and not assume that they're asking us to knock because they're up to no good it might be actually they're just experimenting with the need for privacy and to be not disturbed. They might be reading a book. Let's 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 not always assume something's wrong is going on inside those doors. But so, yeah, it, it, 
again, have a play, see what works for you. And you said that often we don't know they're being pushed until we're faced with something. What's our reaction? Like, what are what are the tendency to do when our boundaries are being pushed, if you know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, I'll, I can only really speak sort of for myself, but I think it, it ends up being very reactive. You could find it could be aggressive. And I would certainly say we, well, I experience a sort of a, a defensive mode. It's like, why are you doing this? And, and then you become a little bit outside of realistic. You're like, why doesn't that person know? But actually take it back a step. It's like, well, oh, I didn't know. I didn't know I felt that way because I hadn't given myself the gift of time of sitting down, of auditing what it is. And of course, something's going to come up and they're, they're going to surprise you. But actually, it's good information, you know, make a note and go, oh, OK, that's that's something that I didn't realise was important to me or I didn't like or I don't want around me. So, yeah, I think the sad thing is, is when we're surprised by something, it's often reactive. And I think then that reactive stance is, is often defensive. It's like, don't come near to me, you know, don't do that. No, I don't want to do that. Why would you think I would want to do that? I'll respond when I'm good and ready. So it can be very, very defensive mode. I love all these phrases. And I think anyone that's worked in a workplace with many other people will have heard these kind of phrases. And oftentimes it's hard not to take them personally Mm-hmm. And, and I think actually what I thought about there as well is you can recognize, even if somebody doesn't know it's a boundary that's being pushed, you might be able to help them recognize that by hearing something like, why doesn't this person know? Because that's yeah. something I would often hear at work, you know, why doesn't that person know that X, Y, Z? And you're sitting there going, how yeah, is that exactly. person supposed to know when yeah. actually maybe you can help them to see that? So workplaces are alive with boundary breakers, boundary pushers, Mm -hmm. people that are unaware of their own boundaries. Yeah. It's a nightmare to navigate. Absolutely. Absolutely. The bigger the organisation, the more chaos. Yeah, absolutely. I I think a lot of us are doing a lot of things without blindly, without intention, without meaning. I mean, to to offend or hurt others. I think this is why the workplace is one of the most complicated entities even to this day, despite the good work. You know, we, we almost need a workplace version of sort of group therapy where we can all sit around and go, this is me okay, this is what I like, this is what I don't like, and feel safe in that sort of space so that somebody can kind of go, oh, okay, that person doesn't like somebody standing too close to them, so I will back off. But that's idealistic and probably far too complicated. But yeah, it, it, it makes it very interesting. So I think that the, the thing that we need to, to do is help ourselves. And yes, it's very easy to blame the environment. I think many of us experienced toxicity in the workplace or got dragged into conversations we don't want to be part of. But if we can be that one entity that builds their own self-awareness, that spends time understanding their own boundaries and values and whatever else is important, and then brings that to the table and starts that conversation and just says, you know, these are the things that really matter to me. These are the things that actually I'm not so comfortable with. How about you? What do you what do you like? What are the things that are important to you? Then we've got that domino effect. Like when the coach coaches somebody and they become a coach and, you know, it it just then keeps um, rippling through an organization. So I think if we could take a little bit more individual responsibility, yes, of course, 
you know, higher up and those that start businesses have a responsibility. But we as individuals can, you know, it's our lives. It's, it's if you're there at work for five days a week, be accountable for that, take some responsibility, make those five days. Um, five days that can be as enjoyable as possible by having your own self-awareness bringing your identity to the table so that people can understand how best you know they can work with you and you can work with them like obviously no one can see me but I'm smiling widely as Nikki speaks and I agree completely (laughs) Nikki you can see me absolutely I agree completely with what you're saying and I wonder what stops us from doing that? Because I don't think that that is something many of us are comfortable doing. And I obviously can't speak for, for everyone, but having worked in many, many, many workplaces, this wasn't something that often came up. No, and you're, you're right. I think, to be honest, I just think it's, it's something that we haven't been encouraged to do. There's not like there's a lesson in school where you sit down and basically you're allowed to be your authentic self or they say, right, today we're going to take a look at values and not values that your parents own, that you own, what's important to you. So I think maybe it's just we build a lot of habits from childhood and we then carry them forth or we've been imprinted by our parents' belief and we take that into the workplace. So, yeah, I I think it's just not part of our everyday it's not part of our everyday language I think it's certainly changing but there's vulnerability in it there's exposure there's sometimes working out stuff you don't like about yourself you know we're all less than perfect and there is a beauty to our darker sides but that's the side that perhaps we just need to make sure doesn't dominate too much otherwise that can be scary for other people but yeah so maybe now that it's becoming more topical people are talking about it I still do think there's still a lot of organizations or individuals that see the responsibility elsewhere it's the responsibility of managers it's the responsibility of the business owners and I have no control over it but you do you can build micro cultures you can build these little units that actually suit you the bigger organization might be sort of failing you because it's got it's got bigger and it's got slightly out of control but that doesn't mean you don't have a sense of control in what's immediately around you and so yeah absolutely so I think for me it's about we're not educated in it as children we're not told that actually that that building self-awareness understanding yourself some of our personality traits you know often chief caregivers or teachers are trying to stamp out aren't they they're trying to say well that's not appropriate whereas actually who's to say that that it isn't so I think yeah it's it stems right back from childhood and I think if we can start to change that and make that more conversational and actually saying to people yeah individually you can make a difference one person as we know can make a difference and ultimately you can make a difference for yourself and be driven by that create that micro environment around you that serves you that makes a really great working environment for you Mm. and there's great benefits to that for you because well, you can stand up for yourself without being aggressive, as you said, or assertive or defensive. And I guess also people know where they stand with you or what to expect when they come to you. And I think there's great benefit in that. Yeah, there's no confusion. And I think actually the more that we can remove confusion, the better. And it does get complicated. I mean, I was just thinking back to an example in my head then of when 
open plan became the thing. And that just busts open a load of boundaries. It makes it very, very confusing. And you've got a lot of different individuals who work in different ways. So collectively in one of my businesses, we had to come in, uh, come up with a way, creating a do not disturb, if you like. And so we had just these ridiculous, I don't know if you remember, they were like little cr- sticky creaturey things. And we would stick, literally stick them on our computers. And that was our version of do not disturb because we were in flow. You know, if you're doing an Excel spreadsheet or you're creating an email for a client, you don't want somebody interrupting you. So again, as much as you need to be aware of you, you also need to be aware of your environment and, and our environments as much as they're there to integrate us all and open plan is is beneficial in so many ways it also makes caretaking your own boundaries quite difficult or actually being productive sometimes you know if you just need silence and focus so we had to create so we just had these little sticky things that we would put on and everybody knew it's like that person just needs their time and space that's yeah they're creating their little bubble boundary we'll leave them be I don't know the, the sticky animal thingies you're talking about, but I do remember flying Emirates when we used to fly. And, mm, when we used to go somewhere, yeah. And they had uh, stickers like that, that if you wanted to sleep through a meal, for example, you put a do not disturb sign up on you, a sticker on your forehead or something yeah, yeah, on yeah. your tray table. And and I always thought that was a really good idea as well, that mm-hmm. uh because boundaries, you know, our house and our gates and our front doors, our walls, they're all physical, visible boundaries. Yeah. But without making them visible or somehow communicating them to the world, no one is going to know them, are they? No, exactly. And they are invisible. And that's the thing. Often they're invisible to ourselves. And mm. that's for me, that's the key part is is give yourself the time to understand yourself and and keep this a high priority activity because as I said they will change as you change Mm. and evolve as a human new elements get introduced children change of job as I said then then boundaries will shift but I think we you know we often have a lot of expectation on other people to understand and know them when we're not doing that for ourselves Mm. great so basically the message here is start with you Absolutely. Yeah. Fantastic. Perfect place. Perfect place to start. <laughs> and Mickey, you started your own business in partnership with somebody early on in your career. What was the inspiration for that or motivation? Oh, for me, I think seeing my, my father always owned his own businesses. So I can't deny that influence at all. I think I'd got to the point where I had experimented enough being an employee that I knew it, it wasn't quite right for me. I was in the recruitment industry, which was pretty notorious for being quite bad, quite aggressive, very competitive, not nurturing, supportive, very aggressive London environments. Yet I enjoyed it the act of putting two things together, the act of working with individuals to, to, and and their careers, I found really rewarding work. So I worked with an individual and we would spend time sort of post-work decompressing, chatting, and probably moaning, to be honest, you know, talking about the things, horrible bosses, and why did I get picked on? And, you know, just because I've had a bad week, I was the biggest villain last week, and they're ignoring that fact. And we decided that we wanted to go into business. And I think that the real driving force was to create a different environment, to create a more encouraging, supportive, 
nurturing environment whether we did or we didn't I'm still not quite sure we it's it's never as perfect as you imagine it to be but I think that was the big thing is we didn't need to reinvent the cocktail umbrella we just wanted to bring our style our personalities our way of working to to an environment and remove some of the elements that had been really inhibiting that have caused a lot of stress a lot of unnecessary anxiety and I think it's quite indicative of sales environments I think they're notoriously bad where they don't need to be you know you don't need to have all this kind of elements of bullying and competition if people are naturally very good billers and very good salespeople encourage that find ways of supporting that so I think we were yes I think we were driven from some not very pleasant experience but also this internal desire to to do something for ourselves and recruitment is a really good foundational place to run a business because you run a business within a business because you have your own desk and you're running your own finances if you like and you basically your your starting point is most recruitment firms let you know how much it costs for you to be there and anything beyond that, then you start to get into the land of commission. So it's very financially transparent. You're often running your own PL. And so recruitment for me, again, was a really strong foundation to become more business minded, to know what it takes to run a business. And so for that, I'm forever grateful. As difficult as some of the environments were, they were some of the best places to, to learn how to run a business and what not to do as well. Oh, totally. I, I get that. I always feel that many of the bad experiences I had in the workplace or witnessed in the workplace were always a reminder of what not to do. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And sometimes we need those messages. We need the reminders, sadly. I think that's why perhaps the, this idea that we can 100% remove the problems, we can't because we're human and humans are fallible and humans will make mistakes. But it's what we do with those mistakes. It's, it's, it's how we turn them around. It's how we choose to not ignore them. It's how we choose to hold our hands up and go, oh, we're not that good at that. And we had to do a lot of that as business owners, a lot, a lot of holding our hands up and saying, we're not that good at good at this we're very young we've in effect bought ourselves a directorship you know we hadn't gone up the metaphorical ladder we'd kind of gone there we are so with that came a lot of inexperience and initially I think what we thought we tried to do was protect our employees from that but actually once we we hired a business coach and she enabled us to see that if we could bring that vulnerability and that inexperience to the table not to the point that our our employees didn't feel safe or secure but that they actually felt communicated with and understood it made a massive massive difference so mistakes are are really valuable if you choose to see them and their value mm. yeah and unfortunately most of us don't want to do that no no I think human nature is I'll just sweep that one under the carpet but it is where the gold is. It is where the glory is. Some of the times where you, you have a horrible situation where you've worked for months on a particular requirement for a client, you think you found them the person and that person doesn't decides not to take the job. And then you're starting again. But actually sometimes in that starting again, if you choose to approach it in the right energy, what did we learn? Why wasn't it right for that person? Gather the feedback you can get it so right the next time. But if you want to curl up in a little ball and whimper and just go, why me? And this is so hard. It's tempting. It is tempting. Don't get me wrong. It's not going to help you. It's not going to produce the results. So yeah, face up to the stuff that's gone wrong because that is the gold. That is the real information. That's the stuff that 
enables us to be better, be stronger. And encourages, I guess, um, a culture of experimentation or of taking some risks and being okay to come to the boss as well and say, look, uh, this is what we I tried to do. It hasn't worked out rather than yeah. trying to cover up. Exactly. And I think it's maybe reverting back. You know, we do all have the inner child in us and it's a being a little bit more playful and maybe maybe individuals aren't comfortable with the word play when it comes to work but I think it's a really key element let's let's play with this let's see what's going to work what's not going to work you know we're really good at it at, at children that's the whole premise of our learning at school is is to try is to get stuff right is to get stuff wrong is to be playful and we then ed- end up in adulthood and all of those 18 years or however many years that you spend in education we just kind of push to the side as to say well that didn't count now it's all serious but actually you know there's a real method in there the reason we do play as children the reason that we are okay with getting things wrong we're not you know we're not crushed as a kid necessarily all the time we get something wrong it's like nine out of ten in the maths is totally fine but at some point somebody says it's got to be ten out of ten otherwise it's no good and that's really sad so I'm an encourager of let's be playful let's see what works let's see what doesn't work because we'll end up at what works that's the wonderful thing about playing and getting stuff wrong is you'll end up with what works and maybe if you can have a bit of fun with it along the way even better yeah and I think that's a key point you'll end up with what works but how you get there might not be at all what you imagined exactly yeah yeah and you give yourself that freedom and that flow and being a bit more experiential and the idea that you approach something and it's got to be right first time life doesn't work that way you know we don't hop into well unless we're naturally good at it you don't hop into a driver's seat and take your test you have lessons and that's the thing I think life work it's all lessons so have a few lessons You know, get the mistakes under your belt and then go for the driving test. You're more likely to pass. So for me, I think in my work, my mindset, my my overall kind of how life should be is play. Yeah, allow that creativity to come out, whatever it it, it is for you, whether it's vision board, colouring pens, it doesn't matter. You know, the the idea that in your 40s, you can't pick up a colouring pen ridiculous of course you can you know if if visually you love color go for it so yeah I just think bring the 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 child back the one that is creative the one that's experiential the one that's a lot more robust because it knows that getting stuff wrong is just part of the journey and the one that possibly you've ignored for many years that poor neglected inner child which we all have we all have has been just literally, yeah, quietly sat in the corner being ignored. So yeah, bring the child out. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. (laughs) So Nikki, I guess working in recruitment then, you've seen lots over the years when you were in that line of work. Were there any patterns in particular that you think, gosh, if I could really help change this this is where I would focus my energy or maybe that is what you're doing now as well yes yes um definitely I think the interesting thing for me was that there was a a pattern that kept repeating itself and that was very successful 
very accomplished, very confident individuals seemed to or, or did fall apart during the job search. And I know job searches, are, they are very emotional. It's a big thing. The interview, it was amazing how many people would actually lose self-esteem, lose confidence, actually lose a lot of who they were. Now, I appreciate that if you're lucky enough to have a stable career that we don't interview very often. And of course, things that we don't do on a regular basis can feel a little bit fearful and unknown. But I would actually see a, a, a real change in a human being from this confident person to almost, I can't do it. What if they find me out? What if I'm not good enough? And I have to say, us ladies, we were even worse when it came to what we thought our strengths were, our talents, our skills. And in the beginning of my career, I used to think it was me getting it wrong because I'd have this job description and I'd have my handful of individuals that I thought, oh my goodness, you're perfect for this. And I'd talk to them and they were females. I'd talk to them and I'd leave the call thinking, well, I got that wrong. They're not interested at all. But actually, when I started to probe a bit more and became curious rather than accusational against myself, they would tell me that actually, well, I haven't done that. Or the idea that I've only had a year's experience in that and they want two years. So I started to see that actually a lot of women doubted their own abil abilities more heavily. And so actually, it was about helping individuals see their strengths and again it's an, another interesting thing that I thought about just generally throughout my career is how we seem to reserve the strengths questions to interviews it should be something that we almost ask ourselves every every week every month every year it's like what are my strengths what do I bring to the table it's a wonderful exercise in confidence we can boost our self-esteem with a little bit of self-awareness again and understanding what we bring to the table so that was the pattern that was the thing that really intrigued me that perfectly capable confident individuals seemed to dissolve a little bit in front of my eyes when it came to the pressure of the job search the pressure of the interview just really the I guess the pressure of actually talking about themselves it was incredibly difficult for individuals to articulate their own career story and that ultimately led me to studying some psychology and then ending up as a coach because I was like oh there is a lot of human potential out there which is completely untapped because we're just not aware that we, we we hold it within. So that was really interesting to me. It's fascinating. And especially when you think of everything seems to be in public now. <laughs> People seem to be constantly talking about me. However, is it also that we underestimate or take for granted what we can do? And I know for a long time, I used to say, well, oh, that's just me. That's, it's no problem. I can do that, whatever. But not think that because I could do it, everybody else could do it too. Or couldn't do it, I should say. You know, I didn't see that there was a difference between what I could achieve and what others could achieve, perhaps. Yeah, I think, I think yeah, I think you're right. I think we, we are very habitual creatures. So I think once we, once we pick up something, we do it very, very naturally again you know just using the driving analogy 
you don't have to think through all the activities in order to get to A to B. When you were learning, you did, it's like seatbelt, mirrors, blah, blah, blah. We just do it. Sometimes it's scary. We end up at a front door, don't we? We're like, woof, how did we get here? So I think sometimes we do become very sort of robotic. But that, again, that, that slightly belittling of our abilities is very much imposter syndrome at work. We just imagine it's either it's luck, it's easy, it's everybody else can do it. And this is a way of shrinking ourselves down, of keeping ourselves small. In some ways, some of it might actually be quite British. I don't want to be too general here, but sometimes we're not as at that great at, at kind of blowing our own trumpet and saying, hey, look at me, look what I did. I wish we did. Maybe we need a report card. Yeah. Again, that, you know, you, you run home with your report card and go, look what I did today. So, yeah, so we're very habitual. I think we are quite shy of our own abilities. But I think, again, this is a really important exercise and one that we should do maybe in the form of journaling. You don't you don't have you can do it, still do it very privately. But actually, it's, it's, it's just kind of nourish yourself with that positive information of all the things that you do. We finish a day and we don't reflect back on it about how well we've done. If something's gone wrong, that will then probably be the subject over dinner or the thing that keeps us up at night. But we don't put we don't switch off our laptop and go. I was great today. I did X, Y, Z. And so again, it's another thing that we need to change. It's another way that we need to think. We need to celebrate those successes. You can do, you can do it quietly. It doesn't have to be broadcasted. You know, we, not everybody has to be on that sort of social media train. It can be just done privately for you. And, and that's really where it's, it's most important. That's where it serves. Keeping, keeping a little journal or a log of the things that, that go well because we do forget them I, I keep a little jar where I just put a, it's like a success jar and I just put things now whatever that could be I made a really good cup of tea it doesn't have to be monumental but it was like gosh that was good and so when you are having those dreary days or those days that do punish us a little bit more than others is is go back to those achievements those accomplishments those those things that have gone well and feed yourself that information again remind yourself of how good and how great and how talented you are because we, we all need that reminder definitely and also I suppose when somebody pays you a compliment or catches you doing something good and calls that out take it receive it yes absolutely yeah absolutely and there's there's something really generous in that it's very awkward to reject a compliment for the other person or to sort of throw one back in their direction so I mean I worked on this for years and years and I remember a coach of mine just saying just say thank you I'm like oh okay I'll try I'll try this feels really difficult but actually if someone is kind generous enough to say something to you that is lovely is respect that respect them and just say thank you and that is enough it's a bit like boundaries practice saying no practice saying thank you very very short sentences but with huge effect for all parties you know this isn't just about ourselves and so yeah abs and, and maybe yeah run off write it down if there's something you thought oh you know, maybe somebody's seen something in the in you that you you haven't seen in yourself. So don't let that get lost in the abyss. Go pop it in your journal and sort of you know go. Yeah, great, absolutely. That's lovely to know about myself. Mm, brilliant. So Nikki, if somebody wants to connect with you, what's the best way? 
I am easily found nowadays. I have a big, I have a big online DNA, I think, like many of us do. So I have my website, which is Nikki Hill Coaching. I love Instagram. I think it's a wonderful place for pictures and connecting. So again, it's it's Nikki Hill Coaching. At the moment, I am really enjoying it. Actually, it's funny that our conversation has gone in this direction, working with a lot of creative clients. So I've just developed channeling creative genius because one of the things that I'm really enjoying is working with individuals in a more playful way allowing creativity and flow to come through because I think a lot of us are more creative than we actually realize we are and I think the word creative or creativity has perhaps misguided a lot of us and we thought well I'm not I'm not an artist I'm not this I'm not that but actually there's so many different ways of being creative and one of the things that I have certainly found is just by being a bit more playful and allowing creative flow, we can be creative in our thinking. So it's allowing that space, it's allowing that to come through, it's allowing individuals to then see the vision and the potential for their businesses. So I'm I'm having a big, big, big play myself with, with this particular programme. And it just, yeah, inviting people in to be playful, be creative, and not to be put off by the word creativity, because I truly believe we're all creative in some form or another, and bringing that t- to the table. So yes, yeah, so I can be found website, Instagram, Facebook. And LinkedIn, I guess, as well. And LinkedIn, yeah, LinkedIn, absolutely. And it's it's lovely to connect with people. I, I really love it when we start to get to know each other. My natural curiosity gets fed. But they're great platforms. Brilliant. And it's so interesting what you say about creativity as well. I worked in accountancy for many years and you put creative in front of accountant and uh, no, that's just not. <laughs> creative accountancy is like tax dodging and stuff like that so it's kind of this word that you really put out of your head and I'm finding more and more and more how to tap into that creative side and that playful side that inner child I guess that got ignored for a long time so there is great value in it and you are more creative than you think Absolutely. And that's the thing. I I think it's misguided, isn't it? Because we are led to believe that there's certain creative industries or creative people or or creative jobs, whereas actually we can bring creativity to anything. And yes, absolutely. If somebody's getting creative with the numbers, you start to think it's all a little bit dodgy. But actually, sometimes there is a degree of creativity around what you're doing. It's, you know, it's forecasting, it's planning. It's like, actually, we need to do this in order to get to X, Y, Z. It's a funny word and one that I'm enjoying using more regularly and and allowing people to find that element of creativity within themselves because I think it's been reserved too heavily for absolutely you know the the arts and design and that those types of industry whereas I actually truly want to talk about the creativity within all of us yes the creativity within all of us fab well I hope that program goes well it sounds really interesting and I will put all the links in the show notes as well Nikki and just thank you so much for this conversation today. It's been really, really interesting and very personal for people listening. I think today is full of things that you can do for yourself and by putting yourself first. Absolutely. And in an unselfish way, but also it is okay to be selfish too. We do need to prioritize ourselves because we just end up getting lost. And, you know, there's only one person who's truly, truly in control of of our lives and it's it's ourselves and it's okay to to spend some time focusing on what's important to us 
choose you. Yes, absolutely. I agree with that. It's like, I am here for myself. Brilliant. Okay, <laughs> Nikki, thank you again and um, enjoy the heat. Oh, I will try. Thank you for having me. I've loved our conversation. Bye. Bye. Imagine if every day you enjoy work, express yourself fully and exceed expectations. I believe we're all entitled to have this and that the future of work life will be changed by those who strive for and create more fulfilling work lives for themselves, their colleagues, their teams and wider organisation. Thank you for listening today. And if you enjoyed this episode, please leave a review and share it with someone you know who is curious like you.